Welcome to the Audacity to Podcast, episode 136, how podcasters can use Pinterest for promoting ideas and more. Thank you for joining me for the Audacity to Podcast. I'm Daniel J. Lewis, and this is the award-winning how-to podcast about podcasting and using Audacity. It's where I give you the guts and teach you the tools to podcast with passion, organization, and dialogue. Today's content is pretty cool, even if you are not a woman. Now, I know that's very... Uh, maybe sexist to say, but you know of the site Pinterest, or maybe your wives have told you about the site Pinterest. I know my wife has really gotten into Pinterest. It's a social network that she got on before I did. My wife sent me the beta invitation to join Pinterest before I had an invitation of my own to join it. So it is definitely more attractive to artistic types, visual types, and especially baking, cooking, fashion, a lot of things that women are typically interested in, but it also has a lot of use for others. So it's not just the girly stuff, guys. There are also awesome website design things on there, cool pictures, infographics, comics, videos. It's really a visual place for sharing information and a search engine, in a sense, for a lot of information. So Pinterest is a great place to be, and it's a great thing that you can use for promoting your podcast. So I was really happy to have Cynthia Sanchez from the Oh So Pinteresting podcast join me for this episode of the Audacity to Podcast. She shares many tips on how you as a podcaster can use Pinterest to promote your podcast, some tips about what kind of images to have uh, on your on your podcast show notes so that it works well on Pinterest and how to really optimize that. We also talk about how you can use Pinterest to help your podcasting. So what can you get from Pinterest, not just out there promoting yourself and getting listeners, but how you can use Pinterest as a source of ideas and inspiration. And we talk about several other things like building a following on Pinterest and what business should should be aware of with Pinterest and many other aspects of how to work with Pinterest and how Pinterest can help you as a podcaster grow your audience and make a better podcast and so much more as well. So all the links that we mention and all of that, the outline, plugins, uh, websites for images and tools will be in the show notes at theaudacitytopodcast.com slash 136. So Cynthia Sanchez, thank you so much for joining me for the Audacity to Podcast. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm really looking forward to this. Now, Pinterest is one of those things that I think some people just wonder what it's all about. And could you just explain that for anyone who's new to or maybe hasn't even seen Pinterest? Sure, sure. And I get this question every now and then, not quite so much as as I used to, because it is kind of spreading its wings, if you will. Um, But Pinterest basically is a visual bookmarking site. Now, most people are familiar with bookmarking something on their web browser. If they come across a website or something that they're interested in, they can bookmark it and then it goes into a list that they can go back and then reference whenever they need to. Well, Pinterest takes that a step further. They take it beyond just the text reference and add an image to it. So if a blog or a website that you come across is something that you want to remember or go back to or has some really useful information, you can then pin or bookmark that image to your Pinterest account. Um, So then when you go 
into your Pinterest account, you can see all of those images that you have pinned and you can organize them into different categories, however you want. Give yourself little notes or memos or, you know, put a comment or a description underneath that image to help you remember what that was all about. So instead of looking at a long list of bookmark sites, you look at the images and you can get a lot more out of, you know, information out of an image. And sometimes images are easier for people to remember than just, you know, a line of text. And one of the things that's amazed me about Pinterest is its rapid adoption since it launched, especially with people, it seems, who aren't usually into the latest technology and social media. Exactly. Um, Pinterest, for some reason, in, I guess, contrast to other social networks, um, which were early adopted on either the East Coast or the West Coast, that's where things, you know, tend to get adopted first. Pinterest was different. It was the early adopters came from the Midwest. Midwestern women, for some reason, really just took to the platform. And that's kind of why it's kind of evolved in that way. If you think of Facebook, it started on a college campus. And that's how it, you know, first took off. And those were the first primary users of Facebook. And now it's evolved into everybody. And then everybody's everybody using (laughs) Facebook. It's gotten so big. But for Pinterest, it did start off in the Midwest and, you know, with women. So that's why we see it kind of skewed in that direction. It is evolving. It is changing. Um, The last number I've heard, there are 70 million users using Pinterest. Um, So it has grown really big and really fast. It's really getting a global presence. Um, Pinterest is working hard to launch um, the platform officially launch. It's available globally, but it's it's officially launching in different countries, um, trying to build communities in these different countries. So it's just it's just spreading like wildfire. Hmm. Now you've got a lot of episodes over at currently twenty five episodes at ohsopinteresting dot com, and you've talked about many different aspects of Pinteresting of Pinterest. That is, <laughs> and. What I'm excited to talk to you about is how podcasters can use Pinterest. Even audio podcasters, of course, video podcasters have their use. But the the main thing I think podcasters always want to know with any kind of social media out there is how can I use this to promote my podcast? So, Cynthia, how can podcasters take advantage of Pinterest in order to promote their podcast and grow their audience? Well, you know, Pinterest is based upon interests. That's really how it started was an interest for people to share their interest and keep what's, you know, interesting to them categorized and organized. Um, And podcasters tend to speak and, you know, or video or record about what, you know, things that people find interesting. And more than likely, most podcasters have show notes that go along with their shows, which are kind of like mini blog post summaries, you know, that go with their shows. By simply including a picture, some sort of image um, with those show notes, then you are opening a wide audience to you. We just talked about 70 million users. And chances are whatever it is you're podcasting or you're you're podcasting about, there's somebody pinning that type of content on Pinterest. Um, And when it comes to images, would you like to talk about that a little bit, Daniel? Yeah, that'd be great. Okay. As far as what kind of images to use, you want to, I I see some podcasters where they use their cover art in every single, um, you know, piece of their show notes. In every single episode's show notes, they use that same cover art, which, you know, works okay because it gets people to become familiar with your cover art. 
but it doesn't really drive home the message of that episode. Um, you know, even if you're talking about, you know, Daniel, in, in your case where you talk about once upon a time, if you use the same image every single time, that doesn't necessarily reflect what happened in that episode or the points you're bringing across or, or that type of thing. Um, so I really recommend, if at all possible, that you use a different image for each episode just to kind of drive home that message. Because when you read something and if you have an image attached attached to it, it makes it more memorable. At least I think it does. I tend to remember, you know, a piece, an image more than just a piece of text or a phrase or wording. So it helps it stick out in people's mind. And then sharing that to Pinterest will help people become more drawn and you know, attracted to it because they know what it's about. It really helps to communicate that message. Um, if I saw your, your cover art, Okay, that's a podcast. That's great. But it wouldn't necessarily tell me at first glance. And remember, we're competing with thousands upon thousands of images. It wouldn't tell me at first glance what that episode is about. Um, so if I created a unique piece of a unique image or a unique piece of art for each episode, and it doesn't have to be complicated or expensive or any of those things. If it just pretty much delivers the message of what that episode's about and it catches people's eye, if it's interesting, and you know, if you're putting all this time and effort into to doing a podcast, chances are it's pretty darn interesting. You know, people can come across it on Pinterest, and then that'll bring attention to your show. Now, the same thing for people listening to your show and, you know, going and checking out your show notes. If they see that you have a nice image and you include a pin it button, something that encourages people to share your content on Pinterest, then the people coming to your podcast, hopefully it's one of those 70 million that are active on Pinterest, um, then they can pin that to their Pinterest account. The thing that's really, really great and the thing that's really powerful with Pinterest is that it's very open. It's not kind of a private walled off garden like Facebook is where only my friends and my direct contacts will see what I share on Facebook. Pinterest is very public. So let's say in your case, Daniel, if I search um, something about audacity, you know, either on sometimes even on Google, Pinterest pins are coming up in Google search results more and more often mm. um, and boards, uh, which are the groups of pins together. But if I search within Pinterest for something about a, a audacity or podcasting or those types of things and your your image is has a description with those words in it, then I could find your content because it's wide open. It's like a huge search engine that Pinterest is building of content that people are bringing in and categorizing themselves. Mm. So what are some guidelines for making those images to go along with content? Sure. Um, the images for Pinterest te need to be taller rather than wide. Those are the ones that give you the most opportunity to be found on Pinterest. Um, if you look at the Pinterest feed or any page on Pinterest where you see pins, you'll notice that each and every pin has the same width. They're all resized to have the same width. But each pin can have a different length. That's why infographics do really, really well on Pinterest because they are so tall. They take up more real estate and have more opportunity to grab attention. So you want to make sure that the images that you create, um, I know sometimes for podcasters or for bloggers, they like those wide images that take up the whole width of the blog post. And it fits very nicely because you could have, you know, the, the image up at the top and then you start to see the text underneath it. And that's great for encouraging people to read. 
But for Pinterest and, you know, even for Google+, they're starting to use, you know, large images to, to feature on their feeds. Um, those tall images take up more room. Um, so make them more of a portrait type of, of image rather than a landscape type of image. And uh, for sources for for images to use, you can always go to your stock image, you know, sources that where you pay, you know, and, you know, pay per image. And there's some that, you know, you can get them for as little as a dollar an image. The one that I like to go to because just because you can pay per image, you don't have to buy credits and that type of thing um, is Pond5. Sometimes you have to do a little bit of digging and get a little bit of creative of how you search for your images, but easy to come across, you know, about most any topic. Another place I like to go to for images is called Pixabay, P-I-X-A-B-A-Y. Um, and they're all free and they're royalty free, attribution free, don't have to give any credit whatsoever. And they have some gorgeous photos. They also have quite a good selection of clip art. Once again, you're going to have to do a little bit of creative searching um, for the images that you're looking for. Um, and then also another one, which has a really unique name, is called Morgue. File, M-O-R-G-U-E-F-I-L-E. Um, and they tend to have, every now and then you can find some really great images, um, but they tend to need a little tweaking, a little, you know, editing to kind of help with the color or that type of thing. Um, but same thing, royalty-free, attribution-free, absolutely free images that you can use on your content. Would you recommend putting anything in the image, like text or anything like that, to try to appeal to the Pinterest users more? Um, really, it, it's not so much to appeal to the Pinterest users per se, but to actually communicate your message in a better way. Um, text can be really helpful if it isn't, you know, 100% obvious what you're talking about. So let's say if you're talking about, you know, equipment, you know, that's a physical product that you could actually see in the image and, you know, somebody using that equipment, you can, you know, kind of infer that that's what it's talking about. But Another example that I like to use is I have this image of a chessboard and it's a really, it's pretty, a pretty tight image of a black and white chessboard with black uh, chess pieces on it. And if I use that, let's say, especially, you know, where I'm coming from talking about social media and marketing and that type of thing, strategy is a word that comes up a lot. Well, there's a lot of strategy used in chess, right? So if I were just to show the picture of the chessboard along with my blog post, okay, people reading it could really, okay, that's how that ties in together. And I remember the chessboard and talking about strategy or that type of thing. But just coming across that picture on Pinterest may not really communicate that same message. People may not know how to read it. Are they, am I selling the chessboard? Am I talking about how to play chess? Is it, you know, something to relate back to strategy? What, what is that image about? So adding a little bit of text over that image could help, you know, drive that message home. So if over the image I wrote, you know, top 10 strategies for blah, 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 blah. Um, that would really, okay, now I know what it's about. You know, a picture is worth a thousand words, but sometimes we need a little nudge as to which words to apply to that image. Um, I also really recommend that people brand or watermark their image in some way. Um, you know, there's always those not so nice people out there that want to take advantage of, you know, anything that they possibly can on as much as they possibly can online and, you know, spam people. Um, and I've actually heard uh, somebody 
you know, really promote on their YouTube channel to target, they say a target unbranded images. I mean, he, he said this, oh, it just made my skin crawl. Um, but, uh, you know, so what, what they're doing is they would take those images on Pinterest or, you know, he, they were looking specifically on Pinterest. And what they'll do is they'll change the link to go to some scammy, spammy site. So I really do encourage people to watermark or brand them. And you don't have to be a Photoshop expert to do it. One of my favorite places to go to online, there's tons of free photo editing sites online, but my favorite, just because it's so easy, so user-friendly, and they have a free version that's really powerful, is called PicMonkey, and that's P-I-C-M-O-N-K-E-Y.com. And they do have a paid service, and even that's like $5, and it just gives you a few extra bells and whistles. That's $5 a month. Um, so it's it's well worth it. I like Pixabay too. Uh, Pixabay um, has a couple of different photo editors, one where you can do kind of Photoshop type things with it. Another one that has fun, funky filters. So let's say you find a picture of a, a landscape on one of those free sources, you add one of those free funky filters, add some text over it, and you got a completely different image. Hmm. Um, and they're really easy to use because you just kind of slide and, you know, click and move around. And if it messes up, oh, well, it was a free image, you know. Um, the more you use it definitely the faster it'll get um, if you have a logo especially if you have a logo with a transparent background on it you can upload that um, from your computer onto services like uh, PicMonkey and overlay that on any image that you find on any other source so it does take PicMonkey can do kind of that those layers things where you don't have to just work with that one flat image mm-hmm. um, so if you can include your logo that would help in, in, increase your you know your branding you know people get used to seeing that logo around Pinterest and you don't necessarily even have to have an active account on Pinterest to have your images be shared on Pinterest. Um, if you have a pin it button, you know, with all your social sharing buttons, because you're, you know, most podcasters encourage their, their content to be shared on Twitter and on Facebook and those types of places. If you have a pin it button available for, you know, one of those 70 million plus people to come by and pin your content, um, then you don't even have to have an active account there and they're doing the work for you. Um, and sharing it to their their followers and all the people on Pinterest. Um, and if you take you have that logo or even that URL, brand your image in some way, just put a little bit of text with your URL over it. Um, that, you know, really goes a long way increasing your brand awareness and it helps kind of deter a little bit. You know, there's no way to completely 100% safeguard your images or your content online. Um, but, it, it, you know, it helps deter them. I've seen some great WordPress plugins that can add the watermark for you as well. As you're uploading the site or the image to your website, it will automatically add it. But I'll have a list in the show notes for this episode at theaudacitypodcast.com slash 136 for anyone who wants to check that out. Cool. We'll have to try that. The website images work well as their wide or landscape format, but Pinterest Mm -hmm. images work best if they're tall. Mm -hmm. So we have a problem here of getting those Pinterest images on the web page when on the web page we need wide images so is there some way or how can we do that so that when someone pins a particular page the image that shows up on pinterest is something different or just the, an optimal pinterest only image instead of the default page image if you have the pinterest plugin, the pin it button plugin with pin it in quotes. And this is the one that I'm most familiar with. There's a hundred, you know, of options out there, it seems like, uh, for plugins for Pinterest. But with that one, I know you can 
specify it to pin a Pinterest or an image to Pinterest from a specific URL. So if I upload an image made specifically for Pinterest to my site um, and, you know, hosted in my media file site and it has a URL, then I can specify that that's the image I want to have pinned when the pin it button is chosen in my social sharing buttons. Now, a lot of people do have the pin it bookmarklet or the pin it shortcut in their browser's toolbar. Um, and that selects from any image, you know, a PNG, a JPEG or a GIF image from that page. So you wouldn't necessarily be able to control those images that way. So, you know, if you create one one way and pin it one way, well, then that image will get shared sometimes. But people just coming to your site and that are really comfortable using that pin it bookmarklet, um, then they may not get that same image. So what I like to do is I like to, you know, start off with some text up at the top of my blog posts. And then, you know, a few sentences down the first paragraph, second paragraph, wherever it really makes sense, then put that key featured image. Um, So that way, there's a good amount of text first, and then the image. Yeah, and I'm looking at that uh, pin, Pinterest pin it button plugin for WordPress, and it seems to indicate that it can set both a site-wide default image for Pinterest as well as you can specify an image for a specific post. So it seems like even if someone tries to pin the post with a different tool, it will default to the image that you tell it to. In my experience, I've just seen it work a little bit different with that pin it button that's in your browser that okay. you get from Pinterest themselves. So unless there's been a change with the plugin recently that I'm not aware of, um, where it kind of blocks that. Um, and, and that's another thing people can do. People, you know, some artists, especially, you know, where their their livelihood, their, you know, their work is their art, they really don't want it spread around that much on Pinterest. There is code where you can uh, get get from Pinterest to to block people from pinning your content. So when we're looking at pinning content from our podcast websites to Pinterest, obviously, podcasters will be thinking every single episode of their podcast. Is that a good idea? Um, if it's relevant, you know, would you if you if you want to really get active in the Pinterest community and you want to establish your account, your presence on Pinterest, um, think about it in terms of your community, of the people who listen to you and want to follow you. Um, and on your show, it's great because it's all about you and you know your point of view and the information you're trying to bring across. But when you take it into the social space, you know, like Facebook, Twitter, and all that, it shouldn't always be about you. Um, and that actually goes against Pinterest terms of service if you all you do is pin your own content. Now, this isn't saying that you shouldn't pin your own content um, if it's bringing value into it into the community and, you know, helping people out or entertaining them in some way or something like that. Yes. But, and spread it out. So let's say, you know, if you have a backlog of 50 podcast episodes or more or 10 or whatever, I wouldn't recommend pinning all of those right away. You know, when you launch your account the first day, spread it out over time and create boards that really appeal to the lifestyle of the person you're trying to reach. Um, So let's say, you know, if we're talking about your show, Daniel, where it's all about podcasting and audacity and that type of thing, that board that you create, you know, in relation to your show, you could have boards about you know, equipment and boards about, you know, how to set up your site and boards about, you know, the technical aspects and, and boards about, or a board about, 
audacity um, and the ins and outs and how to use it, but not only your own content, but other articles and resources that you can find online to help people with audacity um, and, and podcasting in general. Um, and keep it, you know, maybe podcast apps, cover art ideas, all those things that have to do with podcasts. Now, people that listen to podcasts um, eat mostly, um, but you would necessarily, you probably wouldn't want to do a, a recipe board unless somehow you can tie it to podcasting, unless you could say, you know, podcasters top 10 recipes or, or something like that, tie it in. You can get creative and help it make sense. But I see a lot of people on Pinterest creating boards that are just trying to trying to hook people in, but it really isn't who they're trying to reach. Um, Pinterest is, you know, full of recipes. It's one of the most popular categories on Pinterest um, just because, you know, food can be so appealing and gorgeous images of food. Oh, yes, I want that, you know. But to to really just to create a food board for the sake of creating a food board, even if it doesn't really relate to who you're trying to reach, doesn't make sense. And, you know, sometimes, you know, for people like me anyway, and I know I, I kind of tend to get into this a little bit on a crazy side, um, it, it's kind of a, it's like, eh, that doesn't look so great, you know, kind of turns me off a little bit. So it sounds like in a board on Pinterest, which, as you said earlier, is a collection of individual pins, we could be posting our episode content, we could be posting content that we find that's relevant to our podcast. And is it also possible to post content just on Pinterest, like that's not linking to anything, but it's maybe a short how to with a little picture? Can you do that on Pinterest? You can do that. You can up, you can create, you know, your picture however you want to, and then um, upload an image up at the very top uh, part of any Pinterest page. You're going to see your little profile image, and right next to it, there's going to be a plus sign. Click on that plus sign, and a drop down menu will show up, and you can see the option to upload an image. Um, and really, what, how I would use this, especially if you're trying to build the audience for your show, let's say, you know, you have a guest on, or you come up with, you know, you know, your top 10 resources for, you know, audacity tricks or or something like that, you could create an image, you know, listing one, one of 10 or, you know, whatever, and give that, that resource or that, you know, quote that you, that was just amazing from your episode and then upload that image and then link it to that episode that gave that tip or had that amazing quote, um, you know, and make sure, you know, it makes sense. Use the description to add why, because if you just upload an image and it doesn't go anywhere, you're missing an opportunity for traffic. Mm-hmm. Um, and people, unless it's just something really beautiful, like a piece of work, like a, like a piece of art or, um, you know, a, a funny, you know, a funny image, you know, like a joke or something like that. Um, people tend to want to click through and find that information behind it. I kind of like to think of it as a library. If you came across a book in a library and it had a gorgeous cover and then you wanted to find out more about it and you open it up and there's nothing there, it's kind of a letdown. You know, you kind of want to have that, that meat behind it, you know, unless it's, unless it can stand alone, you know, by itself. Can you use hashtags or any kind of special keywording or categorization on a single pin? Um, you can use hashtags, um, but they don't work quite the same as they do in Twitter and now starting on Facebook. Um, they are really, they're just a shortcut way to search. Um, and it won't just bring up, if you if you find, come across a hashtag in a pin's description, you have up to 500 characters to use in a description. Um, and let's say, it, you know, there's a hashtag word in there. If you click on it, it's just a shortcut way to do a search for all of the pins 
um, with that word in it, um, not necessarily just the hashtags. Now, some people are finding some success um, with creating unique words um, or a combination of words. And when you click on it, then it does search because it's a unique word. It does pull up all of the pins with that word. Um, so that is has been working for some people. For other people, when they've tried it, I'm not sure if it's a sheer volume. Let's say if I use this unique hashtag, you know, a hundred times, okay, now it's going to start being indexed by Pinterest and then you will start finding it. Mm. Uh, but people who have just started and, you know, created a, a new hashtag for their, you know, let's say their contest or, you know, that relates to their, their content, um, they're not, they're not coming up in the search results. So it's, it's a little bit un, you know, I'm not too, too sure exactly how that's working or how it's not. You're saying uh, pin relevant content, pin your own content, try to get good tall images on your website and you can use different plugins in order to do that. What other ideas do you have for how podcasters can promote their podcast through Pinterest? Well, you know, it really goes if you really want to get into the Pinterest community, which I, of course, recommend any content creator does. Um, really think about Pinterest as a search engine. Um, and I know that it's not so much a social network. I mean, it is because we are sharing content between each other and finding things and making connections. You can comment on pins, recommend pins to other people. So there is a social component, but that's not the way Pinterest is trying to to evolve. They don't want to be the next Facebook or the next Twitter, according to, you know, their CEO. Um, they want to take it more into the world of search. And if you think about it, you know, that does make sense because, you know, all the, the resources that you can find on Pinterest, um, their search tool is definitely becoming much more sophisticated. And to really take advantage of that, think about SEO that you think about in general for your site and think about keywords and what is relevant to your show. Um, you know, we'll take yours. For example, again, Daniel, if you create an account on Pinterest, you would want to make sure podcasting or podcast was somewhere in maybe even, you know, it would automatically to be if we took the audacity to podcast as your account name. Um, and then if you mentioned podcast somewhere in your account description, and then if you had a lot of boards with the word podcast, um, that would help you to be found when people search within Pinterest, of course, but more and more I'm finding boards, especially ranking number one on Google or really high up there. Um, there's a teacher that I interviewed in my podcast recently, and they do have a really strong Pinterest presence. Um, and one of their boards is called reading activities. And when I search for reading activities on Google, um, I see, well, depending on how I search for it, they either rank like second or third above PBS, above Scholastic, two huge companies focused on children's reading. And they do have a large following on Pinterest, but I'm also finding other boards uh, with followers like under 100 with around 100 pins, which is pretty easy to get to that one board ranking number one for a local construction company in Santa Cruz, California. So they're coming up in local search. But the key is, is they're re kind of repeating 
the same words in their board titles and their descriptions and their pin descriptions. And Google, I think, is really seeing, okay, well, here's a lot of content about this same topic. That must be important. Let's rank it high. Um, you know, who knows how Google thinks? But, you know, those are the things that I'm tending to find. So if you really want to bring an audience to your show, if you really want to help grow your show, I really think Pinterest can be be helpful. It's not going to happen overnight. Um but, you know, as we saw with that construction company, or it's it's kind of a construction association type thing, um, you know, they're local, they don't have, they're not, you know, worldwide famous, they don't have a huge following on Pinterest. But just because of that re- repetition of those keywords, they're getting found through Google. Um, you know, some of the people that I'm, I'm finding on Pinterest, I'm finding through a Google search, and then that's taking me back to their website. Um, because you, your account links, if you verify your account, uh, which is just uploading a little bit of code to your server, and there's, depending on where your account is, ho- your site is hosted, there's different processes on how to do that. Um, but it verifies that you are the owner for your site and those it links back to your site, you know, so that lets people have a really easy way to find you. And of course, all the pins, all the images that you pin from your site, take people back to your content. Can we pin something other than images? Can we do audio or video? If you have video on YouTube or Vimeo, you can pin those videos directly and they're playable within Pinterest. So you'll get views within Pinterest. Um, if you have your audio on SoundCloud, right now SoundCloud is the only audio that's playable within Pinterest. I hope that expands. I'd love to see them add where we could link to just an MP3 file and that would be playable on the site. Hopefully. We'll see. We'll see how, how it grows. Do you think it's a good idea to be posting to just our own boards or join shared boards and posting to those instead or both? Sure. Group boards can be really, really powerful, but they can also be really, really dangerous as well. You kind of have to have a strategy when you when you create or join a group board. Um, you can be anybody that follows you can invite you to join a group board. You don't necessarily have to be following them back and you always have the option to, to decline you know, that, that invitation. Once you join a group board or invite somebody to pin with you onto a board, um, you both have access to that board and then that board gets put onto your account. So if I created a board and invited you to pin to it, Daniel, then that my board would show up on your account as well. So all of your followers could see, you know, if they go and look at your account, you know, you have that board. Um, if you get a new follower that then follows all of your boards, because within Pinterest, you can follow the entire account or just specific boards, um, which is really helpful when I find somebody that, you know, has something I'm really interested in, but then has 25 other boards that I just don't care anything about. You know, I'm not into that. You know, that's, that's not me. So I can just follow what I'm specifically interested in. Um, so if they follow your whole account and they see everything that I'm pinning to that board and everything and my followers are seeing everything that you're pinning to that board, we kind of have to have a little bit of trust there that we're going to stay on topic. And that's easy to manage when, you know, it's just two people. You know, I can kind of see what you pin, you see what I pin. And if if it kind of gets off track, then we can leave that board and delete that board from our account. Um, but the thing is, I, I've seen a lot of people try to use this because as you're gaining followers and as I'm gaining followers, that boosts both our follower number as people follow that board. 
So people are really trying to capitalize on this, and they're sending out invitations by the truckload to try to get to as many people to join that board so you know they can share their content, have a broader audience for their content, um, and then – you know, gain popularity for their account, you know, and, and what they're what they're pinning and that type of thing. But anybody that has been invited to a board can then invite other people without the originator of that board having to approve them or not. So I invited you, Daniel, but then Daniel, you have a friend that you would like to invite. I don't know that friend. And, you know, maybe they just, you know, I don't know, maybe you thought you knew them, but then you invite them to our board and they start pinning spammy stuff or stuff that isn't relevant. Um, so that's how it can kind of get dangerous. Um, so I would still want to keep the group boards that I create and that I join on topic with my core audience. Um, I get invitations to pin to tattoo boards. It's like, I don't have a tattoo. I'm not interested in tattoos. My audience that I'm trying to reach, well, they might have them, but that's not what I want to focus on my account. So I decline that invitation because it doesn't necessarily make sense for me. Group boards are, are kind of tricky. They can be really used well. Um, one of the ways that the those teachers that I talk, told you about earlier, the, you know, that ranked really high on Google for their reading activities board, they have four additional contributors to that board. They knew those people prior to inviting them to their board through a Facebook group that they're all a part of. So they at least had some sort of communication, you know, prior to joining this board. Um, they're all involved in a similar niche. So that made sense. And it was, you know, it all related to, to all of you know, to all of them, it wasn't just specific to the person that or the people that created the board. Um, but that's how they were able to grow. One of the ways they were able to grow their audience really fast, because each one of those four people on Pinterest had a good start in growing their audience and pulling it all together did really work well for them. So that's how podcasters can use Pinterest to promote their podcast. But let's look at the other perspective of this. How can podcasters use Pinterest in order to help them podcast better? Well, it, it's a really good resource for inspiration. So, you know, see what people are pinning. Put your keywords in the, you know, in that search box and see what is popular on Pinterest. Um, when you find a pin on Pinterest, you can click on it once and it enlarges. It gives you an enlarged view. And underneath that, you can see um, more about who pinned it, what board they pinned it to, what else people are pinning who also pinned that. So let's say, you you know, if you have a specific topic that you talk about, um, you know, in my case, it's Pinterest. And if I find something about Pinterest that somebody found valuable enough to pin, I can see that that pin has been repinned, you know, so many times and that it's been liked so many times. Likes are a little bit different than repins. Likes just kind of puts everything into one category. It's just a like. You don't get to organize. It just goes into a separate list. Um, but I can see that. But then underneath it, when I expand it, I can look below it, kind of scroll down on the page, and I can see other things related to that that people are pinning along with that. Um, so that might help drive ideas for content and what I should talk about or things that people are really curious about. It's like, oh, I thought everybody knew how to do this on Pinterest, but that's really popular. Maybe I should talk about that. Um, you know, same thing for podcasting, Daniel. You know, if you if you did a, a search for podcast or how to get started or whatever, you could see that people are, are really kind of collecting links to you know, posts or, or websites to talk about specific topics. And that could help inspire you to, oh, well, maybe I should do a show about that. People are obviously interested in that. 
Now, as podcasters or just anyone out there creating content will often include affiliate links, how are those handled on Pinterest? Um, You can't use affiliate links directly on Pinterest. They will be kind of kicked out or flagged. Um, You can't use link shorteners either. So if you do have, it doesn't mean that you can't promote your affiliate links on Pinterest though. But what you should do is, you know, as you have, you know, a blog post or, or some sort of content about those affiliate links that, you know, explains, you know, why, you know, or what the features are, how you're promoting it. Pin, pin that image from that page that's just a regular page that lives on your site or your article or that lives on your site. Um, don't, don't try to do the shortcut or, you know, the bitly way to try to track it or that type of thing because those get flagged as spam in some way. Same thing within, you know, as we talked about before, you want that relevant, you know, information, things that people find useful, valuable in some way, whether it be, you know, you know, giving great how-to tips, a recipe, information, where to buy something, what to buy, something humorous or beautiful. Those all have value, you know, but in you want that content behind it, like we talked about before, you know, opening up that empty book. So if someone decides that they want to invest the time into Pinterest and build a following here, how can they really go about doing that, connecting with more people and getting more followers on Pinterest? Well, there's a few ways you could go about it. I mean, you already have a platform if you're podcasting. Let your listeners know that you are now on Pinterest. You know, kind of do a grand reveal. Look look what I did and and tell them what they can expect to find. Tell them why. Um, you know, I, I was at a presentation last year and it was kind of enlightening when the speaker said, why should I follow you on Facebook? Why should I follow you on Twitter? Just putting, you know, the little T and the little F and now the little P What's that mean to me? Tell me what I should expect to find there. So tell your listeners, you know, come to my Pinterest account and you'll see, you know, pins based on, you know, whatever your niche is and information about this and links to that and jokes about this or, you know, whatever, you know, type of boards you end up. Let them know why. Um, Also, same thing if you already have an established, you know, presence on another social network let them know there, you know, hey, we're now on Pinterest, you know, for more information, click here, and then you can link straight, you know, back to, you can link it back to your site where they can find the link, you know, to your Pinterest account or link it to your Pinterest account. Um, If you already have an established audience somewhere, that's going to be the fastest way to grow your presence on Pinterest. Um, Really, if you're just starting your your Pinterest account from scratch, you're, you're just starting podcasting, you're just starting to build your platform, it's going to take some time. It's not going to happen overnight. It seems like those first 50 to 100 followers like oh my gosh it's like watching paint dry it's nothing's happening um but once you start to build momentum it kind of has like the snowball effect it seems like as you grow faster and faster you know my first thousand followers took forever but 1000 to 4000 has gone like nothing um it's weird how it works that way another thing that i did to kind of get my account following to grow really quickly was to Pin multiple times throughout the day. Prior to that, it's like, okay, every Monday, Thursday, and Sunday, I would pin, you know, set aside some time and I would just pin then, kind of marathon pinning sessions, get all my content together and then throw it all out there. Well, if you think about it, that doesn't really make sense because Pinterest is kind of like a continuous river. And if I was fishing, I would have more luck if I threw a line out every so often throughout the day than if I just bunched all my lines up and threw them out at once. Um, and you're saying post different content each time, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, if I were to pin five times throughout the day, you know, five separate pins or, you know, two pins in the morning, six in the afternoon, you know, 
just vary it. Um, I don't have that much content, you know, of my own to pin, but I would want to pin to this, you know, to each of the boards, you know, not each of the boards, but, you know, vary up the boards. I wouldn't want to pin to the same board each time. I've tried kind of doing a little bit of test with my own account where I have just kind of focused on pinning on one board and yep, just that board grows, but my account overall doesn't grow. My overall following number grows, um, but not, you know, not the, the followers that follow each board. So spreading out your, your pins or, you know, pinning content, whether it be your own or somebody else's, um, to your separate boards, to kind of varying it up. Uh, repinning from within Pinterest is very good because then you could already see what's popular. When you repin something from somebody, that lets them, they get a notification telling them that you repinned it, repinned it from them. So people who have consistently repinned for me. I know their first names now. I know who they are. I have never met them. I have never had a conversation, but I know Kristen, once again, repinned my content. Kristen and I are tight on Pinterest, <laughs> but we do, you know, I've never met her. I've never talked to her. Um, but I know she, she likes my content. So I, ex- I extend that same favor back to her. I'll, you know, go and look at her pins and repin some of her stuff. Um, so if they continue to see your name and your profile image, which you should, you know, kind of SE, I mean, uh, social media kind of basic, you know, strategy of keeping that consistent profile image across the networks, um, she'll get to recognize, oh, yeah, there's that person again. There she is again. She's pinning my stuff again. Um, So if you find those really good pinners that have great content and they start to pin, you know, you start to pin their stuff, then maybe they'll start returning the favor um, because they've noticed your your name and your profile image come so, come up so much. And if they have a larger following than you and then share some of your content, well, then that's great. That's how all of that traffic is being driven from Pinterest back to people's sites. Many podcasters run their podcast kind of as a business. And whenever someone's doing that or maybe just using Pinterest as part of their business, what kind of concerns might they have? Well, one of the concerns that comes up frequently is the copyright issue. You know, here I am taking your image and putting it on my Pinterest board, which in essence is promoting my business. Um, And and a lot of big brands especially are concerned about that. So they kind of go against Pinterest terms of service. But since they are so big, Pinterest lets them get away with it. And all they do is pin their own content. But as a smaller business owner, what you can do, or I guess kind of have a little bit of reassurance, is if you are using Pinterest as a business and pinning your own content, you are giving permission for the Pinterest community to then share your content within Pinterest. Um, so let's say if I go to if I go to the Pinterest blog and their Pinterest, you know, their Pinterest page within Pinterest, then I could repin there for my my site onto my account, and it would be okay because it's in within Pinterest terms of service. Now, bringing content in from outside from, you know, on the internet, just somewhere, I tend to look for clues that, you know, site owners are giving permission for me to share their content on Pinterest. If I have a reservation where it might be a conflict of interest or or something like that, um, you know, they, they have a pin it button, but you know, oh, I'm not sure if they would want me to pin that, send them an email. And if, you know, you really don't want to go through the through the trouble of sending an email and asking if it's okay, you know, um, then just skip it, go to something else. Um, there is so much being shared within Pinterest that sometimes, like we talked about before, that links get broken, um, or that people upload the image without adding the link, they just take a screenshot, then they upload that image. So before you pin anything to your account, if it is a business account, 
make sure that it goes back to the original source, not to some, you know, site filled with Google AdWords ads, not to a site that, you know, has nothing relevant with, you know, the image. Make sure it goes, you know, to the original source of the image. So you're bringing your followers good, high quality content that takes them to the information that they're really looking for. Um, your pinners will start to know who they can trust for that kind of content. Um, and it, it'll, it'll become apparent, you know, on who you follow, who takes that little bit of extra time to make sure that it is going. It's just a quick click through. Yep, it's going there. That's the article I want. That's the information I want. Go ahead and pin that. If it's not, then, then don't pin it. Um, or you could spend a little time looking for the original source if it really is that great piece of content you want to share. Well, Cynthia, this has been some great content that you've shared with us. And you share a lot more information in your podcast, Oh So Pinteresting at OhSoPinteresting.com. But tell us, how else can people connect with you? And what are some of the services that you offer as a Pinterest expert? <laughs> Thanks, Daniel. Um, yes, everything can be found at ohsopinteresting.com. Um, I do have a weekly podcast, and then once a week I do put out a blog post about, you know, little tips on how to do this or things to consider when trying to grow your business with Pinterest. Uh, as far as the services that I offer right now, I am offering con- consultation services where I can work with you one-on-one and giving and train you on how you specifically for your business, for your niche, can use Pinterest to grow. It is such a flexible tool. You can use it a lot of different ways and more than what we talked about today. We could go on for another few hours about the many different ways you could use Pinterest. Um, So I work with people one-on-one on on how they can do that. Um, I do a screencast video recording, so then you can have it all on video so you can go back and watch it step-by-step on what to do next. And you're on Twitter? I am at Twitter, and you can find me at OSP Interesting. Cynthia, thank you for joining me on the Audacity to Podcast. Oh, thank you so much, Daniel. I had a great time. Well, I am hugely grateful to Cynthia Sanchez from OhSoPinteresting.com for joining me on the Audacity to Podcast. She's provided some great information here about how you can use Pinterest for podcasting. And I'd love to hear from you what you thought of this content. How are you using Pinterest or what kind of ideas does this inspire for you to start using Pinterest? You can comment on the show notes over at theaudacitytopodcast.com slash 136 and also get all of those links that we mentioned over there for the different websites, plugins, and more. And check out Cynthia's podcast over at ohsopinteresting.com. And if you need help with Pinterest, she is the go-to person for helping you really be a success on Pinterest. So I highly recommend that. And that's again at ohsopinteresting.com. Now, Cynthia has offered that if we receive a lot of follow-up questions from the content here, that she can either come back in a future episode or just send some answers to certain questions you may have about how a podcaster can use Pinterest to help their podcast. So if you have any questions like that that you'd like answered in a future episode, you can comment on the show notes or email those directly to me feedback at theaudacitypodcast.com or call 903-231-2221 or send a voice message through the website theaudacitypodcast.com. And I'm on Pinterest. I have been on Pinterest for a little while, although it's kind of gotten a little dormant because I wasn't quite sure how I wanted to use it. But now after this conversation with Cynthia, I've been more inspired of different ways that I can use Pinterest. Like for example, one of my big takeaways from this is instead of having a single board called podcasting and posting anything and everything related to podcasting there, 
I'm going to split that up into separate boards. So I will have a podcast hosting board, a podcast equipment board, podcast techniques, maybe other boards like that, as well as software, WordPress plugins, those kinds of things that podcasters, website owners would be interested in. And I also pin stuff about social media technology, some things I find here and there that look kind of cool. And you can follow me on Pinterest.com slash Daniel J. Lewis is my Pinterest account where you can check it out and repin some of the things too. And I do have a podcasting board, like I mentioned, that I do allow others to post on. So if you're interested then, and you think I can trust you, as Cynthia pointed out that we need to make sure, then let me know if you'd be interested in helping contribute to that board of stuff about the art of podcasting, not just latest episodes on podcasts. So some great information here from Cynthia, and it's really been great to have her on. Check out the show notes at theaudacitypodcast.com slash 136 to get all this information that she shared, review any of these links or tools and more. And I am speaking at the upcoming Business of Writing Summit in Louisville, Kentucky. I'm presenting two sessions. One is why you should podcast and how to do it right. And the other session is how to get feedback from your readers. The Business of Writing Summit is an international summit for people who want to take their writing to a whole new level of profiting from it, writing books, blogs, any kind of writing, really. And many of these writers might also be interested in starting a podcast. So I'll be there to help them with that, as well as teaching them some cool things that they could incorporate with their website and whatever they're writing, whether it's books or blog posts or scripts or anything like that for engaging with their readers. And as you've probably heard, iTunes announced this major thing, 1 billion podcast subscriptions. I'll be talking more about that in the next episode of the Audacity to Podcast, number 137. But 1 billion, just fathom what that means, 1 billion subscriptions. They don't really tell us how they got that number and what exactly that measures and how current that is. But still, that's an amazing number, 1 billion subscriptions. And I think it indicates that Apple might be putting some more attention on podcasts in iTunes as well as the mobile platforms. But I'll get more into that in the next episode of the Audacity to Podcast. So please let me know what you thought of this content. Again, comment on the show notes or email me questions for future episodes of the Audacity to Podcast. Send those to feedback at theaudacitytopodcast.com or leave a voicemail at 903-231-2221. Or you can also go to theaudacitytopodcast.com on your computer or iOS device to send a voice message right through the website. I'd love to work with you to help you launch or improve your podcast. Please go to theaudacitytopodcast.com slash consulting for more information about that and to get on my schedule for helping you improve your podcast or maybe fix a problem with your podcast that you have or whatever your podcasting or website needs are. I'd love to help you with that. So check that out. Also follow me on Twitter at The Ramen Noodle and on Pinterest at Daniel J. Lewis. Get all the past episodes and more at theaudacitypodcast.com. Especially check out my recent five WordPress plugins that will help you blog or podcast much faster. It was a video, so it's over in the video edition. Get that on YouTube or in iTunes. And thank you so much for the iTunes ratings and reviews at theaudacitypodcast.com slash 
iTunes. And now that I've given you some of the guts and taught you some of the tools, it's time for you to go podcast with passion, organization, and dialogue. I'm Daniel J. Lewis. Thank you for listening. The Audacity to Podcast is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. The Audacity to Podcast is also a proud member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. Find more at techpodcasts.com.